Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns, the podcast where three self-appointed experts review a film or franchise and then try and come up with a decent idea for a sequel. This week, we take on the Tomb Raider films and desperately try to find something interesting about them. This episode contains spoilers for Lara Croft, colon, Tomb Raider, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, colon, The Cradle of Life, Kingsman, and Dark Star. Enjoy. Hello, yes, today we are talking about Tomb Raider, the Angelina Jolie films, and we're going to cover a bit of the game series as well. I'm Calvin, and with me are Sol. Hello, boys. Do you like my pointy boobs? (laughs) And Alan. Good evening. (laughs) Was that your Leslie Phillips? No, it's just a callback to Clockwork Orange. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) Right. For no reason. So, yeah, uh, we're going to look at the Tomb Raider films in anticipation of the latest installment in the film series, which is coming out this week. Uh, But I think we should probably start. This is only the second video game episode I believe we've done. We covered... Third. Third? Oh, okay. We covered Super Mario. What else have we done? Resident Evil. Evil. Oh, of course. Yes. Hmm. Which I'm sure we're going to have some comparisons with. Perhaps. Mm, um, yeah. So, Tomb Raider the games. Um, how, have you guys ever played any of them? I I have memories myself of being, you know, ten years old or whatever when the PlayStation was first coming out, and Tomb Raider was this huge like cultural phenomenon for a while, mm. and it was one of the few games that my dad did not allow me to play because the person <laughs> in the in the shop when we were buying the PlayStation and like an assortment of like five games made a point of pointing at me and saying, he cannot play this until he is 15. So I, d- I didn't play it until I was 15. <laughs> Tomb Raider 2 that's it was. Why that's why you're gay now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was it Was it like a 15 game like they do, or is it was it just his particular opinion oh, to no, one look at no, you and go, he's not ready for this kind of stimulus? <laughs> it, it was rated. So yeah, but um, I, I must say, having played it in the end, it was, it, you know, there's a bit of violence. Yeah, before. yeah, exactly. I mean, I, my friends and stuff had it, and I, I was aware of it. I was obviously exposed to it from pop culture and seeing advertisements and stuff, mm. but I'd never properly sat down and played it, but I, I bought the original game in a charity shop oh. um, a while ago and sat down and tried to play it, and uh, I gave up pretty quickly, to be <laughs> honest. It's... Uh, I mean, maybe it's just a product of its time, but it, it was very slow and very uninteresting. Oh yeah, I think I think part of that is just the fact that it is a product of its time. But also, I mean, the yeah. most recent one I've played was Tomb Raider Underworld, which I think came out in like 2008 or something, so it's quite a while ago now. Uh, I'm certainly not a huge fan of the series, but... That was that. That played much better than I remember Tomb Raider Two playing, which I mostly spent on the training uh, level, where you could just sort of run around her country home and trap mm. the butler in the fridge. That, that, oh, that God, was I forgot about thing. trapping the butler. Everyone, yeah, yeah, everyone loved doing that. Everyone loved that. 
But yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the games are to do with puzzle solving, and mm. I think a part, a part of the one of the main tropes of the games is that they will lock you in a room and you have to kind of figure out how to get out by going over there and collecting this and doing that and all these puzzle mm. things, and I don't really have the patience for that sort of thing. <laughs> I'm fine with that if it's more fun, but certainly as much as I played from the first game, it was just jump here to there, but the controls are really difficult, so it's going to yeah. take you five hours because it's <laughs> so clunky. Now just hold down shoot at this <laughs> bear, and she'll kind of automatically aim the gun at it. And... Especially a lot of those, um, yeah, uh, like on those early PlayStation controllers before they even had the analog yeah. stick, where it's just... Yeah. impossible uh, <laughs> and then walk over there but it's going to take five minutes and you just have to <laughs> sit there whilst she goes with a like footprint and oh. yeah i i have memories of being at a friend's house and he was playing it on the computer it must have been a pc version actually because yeah he was just zooming in on lara croft's triangle boobs so she was like mm-hmm. floating in the water he'd found a, a specific spot where he could kind of get the camera right in on them and yeah. he was just there for like 10 minutes going whoa look at those <laughs> and then his dad came in and looked at him and just went they're pixels <laughs> and walked out and um his dad recently left his his mother because he's been living a lie as a, a homosexual. Okay. Um, so. And you think those events are connected then? I think it was the, <laughs> yeah, it was the pixels that for put me, him off. <laughs> Alan, do you have any experience with the video games? Um, no. Was it a big thing? Because, you know, um, I, I think me and Sol were probably both slightly too young to uh, be yeah, the target yeah. audience for the games when they first came out, whereas I think you'll have been pretty perfect. You'll have been a teenage lad. I, I do remember triangular boobs. That seems to ring a bell. Was it if you jumped off something high when she landed, you go, ah, was that, was that a thing? Oh, yes. Was that, was that That's yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. See, it's something in my memory. And if probably. she drowns as well, <laughs> she, she goes, ah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I never, I was never a gamer. I've never, I've never have been. Um, uh, but I don't specifically remember this game, really. Uh, I remember, I don't remember seeing the film at the time, but I remember it coming out and it being a big thing, mm. and it was quite a big publicity thing at the time, and they picked, they found this actress to play Lara Croft, who turned out to be Angelina Jolie, although nobody knew who she was at the time, really. So they're not? She wasn't a big star or anything like that. I guess she'll have been known. I mean, she was John Voight's daughter, and she'd certainly been in stuff, hadn't she? Yeah, she she'd done all sorts of uh, films that I've seen certain clips from. Um, G- Gaia, Gia, I've seen bits of that. I see what Alan means, though. I guess she wasn't. She certainly wasn't the Angelina Jolie that she is now, and she wasn't the huge mega superstar that she became. Uh, oh no, no, fair enough. No, it was a bit. It's a bit later in her career than I thought. Actually, she didn't. Girl interrupted, which she was Oscar nominated for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she'd I been in Pushing like Tin, where she met that. Billy Bob Thornton. Mm. Uh, Hackers, where she met uh, what's his name, Johnny Lee Miller, The Bone Collector. That was quite a big film. Oh, no, oh, I, yeah, I, I think I was. I, no, I was a bit wrong there. I think uh, definitely she was not just. This wasn't just like a um, look. We'll sell this on the the game so we can get a nobody in. Mm, mm. She was definitely a, a kind of known entity and pretty perfect casting for the time. I would say. Mm. Uh, I don't think you could have done much better than Angelina Jolie as Lara Croft. Yeah. You guys know I like Angelina Jolie, right? Yes, yes. Well, in 2001, fair enough. Do you like her now? Yeah. What's wrong with her now? She's old. Ten years old or twenty years old. She's 42. She looks every every day of it, though, doesn't she? Well, to be honest, what what I'm getting at is 
like Angelina Jolie, I used to be like obsessed with. I I was like, ah, oh, that's like my perfect woman. She's the best. This is sort of teenage circa. I guess when these films were coming out, really, that I was like. Yeah. properly into it. And it must have been a bit later actually like 2005 or something but hmm. when I went back and watched this film I was sort of like, oh I don't really see it, I don't get it <laughs> oh. I'm not like, into it anymore. Oh, that's a shame oh. Certainly not in Tomb Raider Lara Croft colon Tomb Raider <laughs> Oh yeah, very annoying title I guess that's because like the Lara Croft name had become as synonymous with the yeah. brand as Tomb Raider so. Yeah, it's bizarre yeah. It's more annoying for the next one, which is Lara Croft Tomb Raider semicolon The Cradle of Life. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I remember the movie being quite a big deal around the time. I remember just being fresh in high school, I think, in 2001. So it was... Oh, no, it was summer of 2001, wasn't it? So just before high school. But I remember yeah. it being a big <laughs> event, and I remember going to the cinema to see it. But this was only the second time I'd ever seen it in preparation for this podcast. And it was interesting revisiting it Mm. and um, how a lot of the elements of the second one I'd blended in with this one. I guess Mm. we'll talk about it as we go through. Yeah, no, I I, I had the same exact experience, actually. My memory was that this was always kind of like vaguely passable nonsense. Mm. A lot of it's just so of its time, it's unreal. Like, yeah. for example, you can tell The Matrix had just come out, like, <laughs> the year before. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I watched them both a couple of weeks ago, or whatever, in preparation for this. I'm struggling to remember anything about them <laughs> already. Uh, I made quite a lot of notes about the first one, so I should be alright with that one. But the second one has just got two notes, and then I was just gave up because it was the same thing. So, yeah. so you might have to help me through on that one. But, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty instantly forgettable stuff mm. which i don't think is necessarily a terrible thing with this kind of film but i don't think it mm. it lends itself well to uh, posterity well if i can if i can start i've got notes on this i've got to start about the very opening sequence right with the yes. robot yeah it's a training sequence yes which it's, it's not immediately obvious that it's a training sequence but then it's like mm. oh she's destroying a lot of old shit here i bet this isn't real yeah i i put a note that if i had to um like say aliens came down and said we want to know we want to know exactly what encapsulates art and culture of western <laughs> civilization in 1997 i'd show them the opening sequence of this film this film was out in 2001 that fact is not lost on me um, <laughs> and i think it's very telling <laughs> this just really summed up this just said 1997 to me yeah, it screamed yeah. it in fact and my immediate thought, uh, and I think this is something that I want to put out straight away because it, it was um, so obvious throughout the whole thing, was that this really felt like the mummy, mm. but without any charm or personality. Mm. Uh, but it huh. really had that exact same feel in terms of what it was trying to do um, mm. my, and just not my doing it as well. My is that it's, it's, like, um, it's put together like the Resident Evil movies, but if they were competently directed <laughs> and shot. Ooh. So I think we're sort of... I yeah. think we're coming to the same On the point scale of Resident Evil direction. to the Mummy. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I guess I'd come down the middle of that. It's, I think it's a bit of both. Indiana Jones meets Resident Evil was my sort of comparable. Uh, one of the things that really reminded me of Resident Evil, and this is a broader point, the uh, the musical score for this first film, I thought was mm. absolutely terrible. I, I agree. that That's what I meant when I, largely when I was saying you can tell The Matrix had come out a couple of years <laughs> earlier. It's oh, so... did The Matrix have a similar yeah. score to this? It's been a long time since I've seen those films. Yeah, it's that kind of like electronic, techno-y, yeah. like, thinks it's really cool, so of the 90s. Yeah. 
Like, it's not even... Yeah. It just feels like someone's playing temp music over the film. Yeah. It, the music itself isn't punctuating any movement or action <laughs> or anything like that. It's just playing and it's just sort of like a drone over the action. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think this is as fun as either Resident Evil or The Mummy films. It's but. certainly not. And, and one of the big f- failings here is the dialogue... And, the, I mean, the personalities of the characters, they don't have any. Right at the beginning, we see um, the butler, who's played by Chris Barry, mm-hmm. and then the gadget boy, who is played by, um, what's his name? Noah Taylor. Noah Taylor, yeah, who you see in quite a lot of things. He's generally quite good. Mm. Um, Chris Barry, one of the top British TV comedy actors, of certainly of the 90s. So that should be so much better. All that little, mm. everything between them should be snappy, witty. It should be... Uh, Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss and uh, mm. the, and the uh, Scottish one, um, <laughs> John um, Hannah. Yes, it should be like that, but it's not, and it it's so flat. And mm. this is a, I think this, and this this is in general the whole failing with it. Same with Daniel Craig later on. Mm. Oh, mm. it's it's just, and I think that's got to come down to the writer really. Oh, I completely agree. I, as far as the cast goes, I I, kind of, I forgot about like how many known faces mm. were in this and good talent as well. Even bloody Leslie Phillips turns up later on. It's a delight to see. Uh, <laughs> I was Ian... I was thinking, God, he looks old, and this is like seventeen years ago. <laughs> looks... I did wonder why there just wasn't the one Butler character, and he could just sort of do everything. But maybe that makes her too much like Batman. Yeah. I assume it's like there's two of them in the game. Not as far as I'm aware. The only games that around this time that I would play had the butler, but the butler was like this super old, like octogenarian carrying a tray around. Yeah, you're right. He was yeah. not the sort of, you know relatively youngish Chris Barry. And and like and there's just little they they try and one little thing with the the Noah Taylor character to give him some sort of personality, and it's that he lives in a caravan rather than the house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean that's as that's as deep as it gets as, as far as it goes, mm, um, yeah. and I thought I just assumed like that's going to be something from the game, like you have to go to the caravan and yeah, see yeah. and get gadgets from him before you go on a mission or whatever, and yeah. um, apparently not. Yeah. So sh- should we talk a bit about the plot uh, or, or what there is of it? Uh, the planets are aligning, right? And uh, Lara Croft needs to go and find a key. To something before the Illuminati do, because why does she need to find it before they do? <laughs> because they're bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much all it is, isn't it? Like I, I know they they kind of gloss over all these expository scenes quite quickly, and uh, we are introduced to Ian Glenn as the main villain of the film around here. You remember him from uh, Resident Evil? Oh, he's shite. <laughs> oh, I like him. But he's, he, he is, a like, just talking about the cast, he is the one that feels the most, like, B-movie. Uh, <laughs> Someone dropped out a week before filming. <laughs> I can't remember what he does in this one. What what does the bad guy do? He just... Sort of, I think I'm thinking of the second film. It's not Ian Glenn in that. This is the one with the Illuminati, and he wants to get the key to open up that big planetary thing and then control time, I think? I literally yes, watched this, like, two yes, days ago. Yes. I barely remember anything of the uh, actual mm. plot. And uh, we're quickly introduced to Daniel Craig, who is playing an American in this. Really? Why didn't he do the accent? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Oh, ding dong. Oh, <laughs> oh who's this? Oh, it's American Bond. 
<laughs> oh, yeehaw, it's me, American Bond. <laughs> I learned to be American at the Hulari School of American Accents. Hulari's too good. I think your accent is too good for what Daniel Craig does in two <laughs> My accent? Yeah. Uh, you mean American, American Bond's American accent? Bond. Oh, sorry, uh, I mean American Bond's accent, yes. I don't know if I even registered that it was an American accent. I thought he was just doing something kind of off kilter. <laughs> no, he's, he's a bit supposed weird. to be American. Mm. And he is kind of the uh, Lara Croft boy, I suppose, of this <laughs> film. He, But he doesn't really yeah, do so. all that much. I don't know what the film would lack if he wasn't mm. there, apart from a couple of topless shots. How many scenes is he even in? Because he dies really early on. I assumed he'd be in more... Wait, sorry, what? He dies. He dies really early. No, Daniel he? Craig. Wait, doesn't he? No. Doesn't he get thrown into a pit of oil or something? No. <laughs> See, I can't, I can't remember this film. It's only been no. like a week since Dan- I watched it. Daniel Craig is there until the very end, and this is where I got confused with is him it? and Gerard Butler in the next one, because I, I thought that Daniel Craig double-crossed Lara, and that the final fight in this film was actually with him and not Ian Glenn, but then he buggers off, and but there's no like final wrap-up scene, it's like in the middle of the action she's like, off you go, help my mates out, and then he just doesn't appear for the rest of the ending. I'd assumed he'd be in some deleted scene, but I watched all of the ones that were on the uh, extras on the DVD, and he wasn't in, yeah, there was no extra end scene, just a scene of him gambling. Do they get a sex scene, or is it cut short when she like handcuffs him to a bed or something, and then runs off? That's the second one. Oh yeah, oh, yeah there's Gerard definitely Butler. much more of a thing between her and Jerry Butler. Yeah, does she have a thing with yeah, Daniel Craig, yeah. or she just look at him after he comes out of the shower? They just sort of flirt a bit, which is again why I assumed that there would be some kind of like Bond esque ending scene where she gets to bed him or something. But uh, <laughs> but no, just mm. uh, yeah, he's just. Off. I did I did make a note when um, when he was in the shower scene. I was thinking, like, he's already quite buff there. He's in good shape, yeah. So yeah. how come he looks fine in this film, but now when you see him in Bond, he looks like a gorilla that's been squeezed into a suit? <laughs> well, you know... Because they, they, they've changed... The technology of beefing up's changed over the last few years. Yeah. And that sounds like I'm taking the piss, but it's, I'm not. Like, you, they've genuinely, like, been fucking around with, like, science. Genetics. To do they've with, been, they've been know, altering it at a genetic it's level. It's to do with, like, not drinking water and all this shit. Oh, like, yeah. like I say, you, just, you compare Wolverine in, in the first X-Men film press materials with his shirt off to compare that to him in Logan. It's absurd. I think part of it is just that Daniel Craig's older now as well, and he's got that sort of uh, that barrel torso, like what Tom Cruise had in The Mummy. <laughs> barrel? You know when they sort of, they become like barrels. There's something weird. I don't know if like your rib cage just like expands <laughs> outwards as you get older or what, but... Anyway, uh. <laughs> and there's there's some more Matrixy stuff here um, around the time he's introduced, just with Lara Croft wearing a leather jacket with sunglasses and the slow motion. Oh, mm. wait, whenever she's got the sunglasses on, I was thinking, oh god, yeah, it is very Matrix, mm. isn't it? Well, I was wondering if the sunglasses were from the game because I know that like her signature thing was always carrying are. two guns and shooting two guns at once. Mm. Yeah, and she has the thing where she can like reload just by clicking her guns behind her back, which I assume is a, a nod to the game. Yeah, I think so. Because I guess you just reload by like clicking off the screen or whatever. And then mm. they do a lot of things where she just has things and then she puts them around her back and then they're in her bag. Which I think again is like in games when you just have a bag full of like a million objects that you can access. <laughs> um, I think yeah. there were some deliberate little nods to that, which I quite like. Mm. 
When when does Lara Croft get a letter from her dad? It's very near the beginning, because then John Voight's in here. I did think, I made a note, when she gets the letter, she goes through the clock and she finds the hidden message, blah, blah, blah. She gets the letter from her dad, and the letter sort of explains everything that she needs to know. Mm. And bear in mind, this film, this this letter was written at least sort of 16 years before, because that's when he's gone missing, slash died, whatever happened to him. But in the letter, when he's reading it out, it says, you must hurry, there isn't much time. But <laughs> <laughs> how could, this is written 16 years previously. What, mm. Is that just path- pathetic script writing, or was there some justification of it? Well, they make a point of this whole planetary alignment thing happening like once every five thousand years or something, but and yet everything is like super down to the like second of it happening, and you'd think, yeah, yeah, you'd really plan this ahead because people have apparently known about it for decades. Mm. Uh, you know. You know, I think I may have mentioned this on the Mummy episode. You know how much I hate that when uh, you put like a, a rock into a hole and, they, and then cogs start working and rocks start uh, moving yes, that yes. have been dormant for thousands of years and then it turns out to be this very complicated, like mechanical yeah. thing. Uh, that happens a lot in this. <laughs> and mm. then I have made a note along those lines that I, I cannot stand when the statues come to life and attack her. I assume they're in the game, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah the- I kind of assumed that was from the game. The game's always sort of mixed mythology and magic with real archaeology and all that kind of stuff. So she was always like, you know, she'd go looking for the lost city of Atlantis and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't mind so much if it kind of properly ramped up and became massively supernatural afterwards, but it's just this one element that's thrown in, other than obviously some, like, broad time travel stuff. Yeah. It just feels very out of place. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, if you... (laughs) You know anything about planets? You, <laughs> the whole setup is complete nonsense. But I'm willing to go with that. Like I'm willing to just go. Okay, we'll go. But the yes, yeah, statues just coming to life is too too far for me. Well, I mean, I'm fine with them coming to life if you're going to do an impressive action sequence with them. But they have this gigantic statue slowly, like. Uh, coming up and getting its weapons and all that kind of stuff, and she's slowly backing away from it, and it, like, swipes at her, like, twice and then falls over, and that's it. It's not a very impressive action sequence. To say that, I mean, obviously the CGI in this film is incredibly primitive, and some of the things do look quite poor, but the fact that they took the time to build them for all of, like, 90 seconds on screen is Mm. a bit pathetic. (laughs) The thing with the dogs, on because the the whole temple around her is uh, collapsing after she's had the final fight, and she comes across the all these huskies, and then she just sort of rides them down this ice tunnel. All the while, she's like going, "Yeah, woohoo!" and smiling and all this kind of stuff. And it's just, I, I that just <laughs> is, feels like it must have been someone's note. Like she has to look like she's having fun through the action scenes. Like mm-hmm. every now and then, she'll be in the middle of a life or death action thing, but she'll just they'll just have a shot of her like smiling and like. <laughs> Great, as if she's having time I guarantee there, there was a cut of this film where that had Who Let the Dogs Out play <laughs> that was tested. <laughs> oh, quite possibly. That makes sense, because the music, again, just to talk about the score, the music over that sequence is just really just, like, droney, like, techno dance beats. There's really mm. nothing special about it. It was... Oh, by the way, um, you know that Leslie Phillips has some scenes earlier on and he's, like, it's implied that he's conspiring with the Illuminati or something, but he's actually secretly on Lara's side. Yeah, I never quite figured yeah. that out, whose side he was on. There's all, like, five-minute sequence on the deleted scenes where he meets with Ian Glenn at, like, the Battersea Power Station, and there's all these shots of them moving around in shadows and having conversations and whatnot, and then... 
At one point, Ian Glenn tells him to get down on his knee, and he does, and then he chops off his head with a samurai sword. <laughs> and it's just really strange to have Leslie Phillips in that kind of a scenario. <laughs> and he went, he's definitely a Slytherin. Eh? <laughs> I just I, I thought there'd be more deleted scenes on the DVD because this film just strikes me as something that's been like cut down to shit and scenes were probably filmed one of four different ways and yeah, yeah. It, it, it very much feels of its time in the certainly around yeah. the early 2000s there was a big move to and I think Saul you've talked about this in other episodes that movies should start emulating video games because the kids like video games mm. and we need to get some of that into the movies but as Saul I think you might have talked about it in our Resident Evil episode where mo- uh, games certainly in those days were just sort of aping movies so yeah. Resident yeah. Evil was yeah. just the Dawn of the Dead series or whatever uh, so now, Even Tomb Raider, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, so much of it comes from Batman and Indiana things Jones. like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Indiana Jones, of course. Exactly. Yeah. So now you have the movie version of the game version, which was a ripoff of movies anyway. Yeah, I don't know. This just struck me as something which had been like focus group to death, tested to death, mm. and just cut <laughs> yeah. into oblivion. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. This whole ending sequence, there's a very strange shot in which Ian Glenn and Angelina Jolie are both running up opposite sides of a pyramid together. Oh, and it's all yeah. kind of abstract. And then Ian Glenn starts falling into oblivion and the effects are really bad. Mm. I have no idea what's going on, but whatever, because Angelina Jolie gets to go back in time by like two minutes and freeze it. And Well, she goes back 16 years to talk to her dad. Oh, yes, she does, doesn't she? And that's been, like, the thing that's tempting her, that she could get her dad back. And then she realises she doesn't need him back because she actually got quite a bad relationship with him and (laughs) didn't see her for most of her childhood. (laughs) (laughs) Just like real life. So, yeah, there's some daddy issues going on in the film. Um, What was Angelina Jolie and John Voight's relationship like at this point? Were they all right? At this point, I believe it was good. I think it was afterwards that they had their big falling out. I mean, obviously, they don't have any scenes directly with each other in this film. Do right at the end where she goes back in time. Yeah, is she there in the room with him? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they interact. They're they're about to touch fingers or something, and then they don't. Or they do. That sends him back. But it could have been shot in that sort of sitcom way with a line (laughs) on the screen. That's why they never (laughs) actually touch. Yeah, they didn't actually tell her who'd been cast. I don't know. I, I was checked out of this whole, this whole ending sequence is like the whole sort of dramatic tension is that she has to save Daniel Craig's character's life because he's been stabbed and she goes back in time. But that whole relationship has meant absolutely nothing. She saves him though. Yeah. She kills Ian Glenn. Yeah. Is that it? So I guess none of us really liked the first film very much. No, I, I, I liked it less on the rewatch than I did the first time I saw it. I bumped it down. It was, I mean, it was, it was just nothing really. It was, yeah. That was well, my feeling. Yeah. I, I thought I'd at least get some Resident Evil style, so bad it's good fun out of it, but it wasn't even that. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it was critically panned, wasn't it? And I don't think it made a whole lot of money compared to what the budget was. And this is was around a time when there were. I remember there was a real push for like female action stars with like this and Catwoman and Elektra. 
and uh, none of them were terribly good because the films themselves were bad, not because of the casting of a lady. Set the course back about 15 years, so didn't it? I, I think so, yeah. I think if, <laughs> if even just one of those had been good, then, you know, maybe we'd see a lot more, but yeah. So, the second film... Right, yes, different director. Yeah, this director is Jan de Bont, who, uh, who made Speed. Oh! Oh! Hmm. Oh! Okay. Although, I'm just looking up, this is the last film he directed. Um, but his, his, his CV is Speed, Twister, Speed 2, The Haunting, and Lara Croft, colon, Tomb Raider, colon, The Cradle of Light. Ooh, The Haunting. Oof. And... Oof. I don't know, he just mm. retired after this film. Apparently this this was enough to pack it in. Oh, God. <laughs> but like the guy who did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he'll never direct another film again. So you know what I was saying before about Angelina Jolie? Well, can you be more specific? <laughs> that, that I wasn't that into her in the last film. Oh, right. I, I was, like, distracted by how into her I was in. in this film. <laughs> she, she needed, like, two extra years. On she it. just became um, so that, much different, isn't it? <laughs> Well, she looked really young in the first one, and she kind of like, like I don't thing. know, she aged out a bit in this one, but I, I'm not like you, Alan, I like them to be like, <laughs> of a reasonable age, and I don't know, I, I, I was distracted, I can't remember the last time I watched something, and I was like, <laughs> in awe. When did, this, when did this watching this film come in your newly single lifestyle, <laughs> was it quite early on? <laughs> Fairly, but I mean, it, it took me back to like... You know, so was the first one, and I was watching it like, yeah. This reminded me of why I was so into Angelina Jolie back then. I think it was just, like, I wasn't into her in the first Tomb Raider, but I was in 2003 onwards. It is a remarkable difference. I think if you'd have just shown me the films and not told me the dates, I would have guessed that there'd been, like, seven years between them or something like that. Mm. Just even in how they're shot, how they're edited, this Mm. feels like a proper film and not something that's trying to chase video game addicted youths um i'm not entirely convinced i even watched this film uh because i can't remember anything about it um Mm -hmm. i've made two notes so i can tell you what they are if you like and we move on then my first one is i don't think this would be considered responsible archaeological research That'll be the rock slide at the start. My note about that is stupid fucking opening with a rock slide or something, though. Are we meant to be impressed by that shit? <laughs> <laughs> and then my, my my last note is, I know this is the first ten minutes, but I've already stopped concentrating. Did those nice Greek boys die? <laughs> nice Greek That <laughs> <laughs> she was hanging out with these nice Greek boys, and then they just disappeared. Yeah, they get killed. Oh. That was obviously where I tuned out, <laughs> so I didn't know nothing <laughs> after that. My second note is this one is just generally a bit better put together so far. Oh yeah, yeah. And that that kind of sums up my thoughts on this film compared to the first really. Mm. Uh, it's just generally better crafted and the yeah. fact that it's a guy directed speed makes that make so much sense mm, to me. Mm, mm. Um I think And also I think it had a bigger budget <laughs> watching it. Smaller apparently. I think oh like really? Ten million less or something, which I was astonished when I That's saw. That's remarkable. I think it's it's. I think you're right because I think this is much more competently shot and edited and put together and makes mm. sense, all that kind of stuff. And yet, it's somehow slightly less remarkable than the first one, or more memorable, uh, less memorable, I should say. I guess I I think this this film really is just set piece after set piece. Mm. Um, but I think that's what this needs to be. Mm, mm. There's no there's no particularly dull moments from what I remember. Like it's just a load of nonsense action scenes, but they're kind of all mm. 
relatively solid. Not amazing. Uh, the only thing that I could remember from this, because I remember seeing it, I think, on TV when I was much younger, she punches a growling shark and then rides <laughs> it to the surface. Yeah. That was... I, I remember, like, t- uh, the timing of it. I remembered everything. It's, like, imprinted in my mind, that bit. Just how ridiculous it is. Well, that's not a million miles away from something you'd see in a Bond film, is it? James Bond has never punched a shark <laughs> and then rode it to the... Ridden it, rather. No, maybe, the... maybe he wouldn't ride it, but he absolutely they could make a if this hadn't already done it if they had the technology and back in the day as well before james bond got all serious it's like you could absolutely there could have been a james bond film where he's swimming on the water and a shark comes up to him and he punches it on the nose and it swims away <laughs> shark with a laser and then he gets out and he's like only with an open hand <laughs> and thunderball they just shoot him with harpoons don't they yes. you remember yeah uh, but it's the fact that the shark's growling as well as it comes nearer and it's opening its mouth and being like hey. it's a well-known um myth though isn't it that if a shark comes at you you just have to stand your ground and punch it <laughs> oh is that a good idea i don't think so but it's something people will tell you i think there's a, there is some sort of about. scientific logic behind it because they've got they've got these like electrical receptors that they use to um like running down their body that they mm. use to uh, detect things. And so if you just yeah. whack them, it just it's overstimulates them and they just it, it really dazes them. Hmm. And the idea is obviously no fish that they're chasing is ever going to turn around and smack them. Yeah. It's not something they're like used to dealing with. Hmm. But obviously trying to punch underwater is not exactly... Uh... Yeah, you can't. Well, you can't, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they brought back Chris Barry and Noah Taylor as her assistants. Now, mm. as much as we talked about in the first film, how they just have no real banter and the script lets them down, I feel like even more so here, they they just don't really do much. And I don't feel like they're ever even mm. expected to be terribly funny. I feel like they have more purpose in this film from mm. a plot point of view. They're kind of backing her up as she's out and about. Um, once yeah. again, it could have easily just been one of them. Mm. But it's- I agree, they don't really have any like opportunity to... like steal a scene or whatever. Mm. It's a shame because they're both very good actors. Just, mm. yeah. um, so the MacGuffin in this one mm. is Pandora's box. Yes. And that is an amazing MacGuffin choice mm. for this kind of film, I mm. think. It's very Indiana Jones, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And why does the villain want it? The villain wants it because Kieran Hines is the villain in this one and mm. he develops viruses, Ebola and such, and he wants Pandora's box to sell it? Is that all? I don't know, it never really makes any sense, because the whole point of Pandora's box is that it's already been opened, and we're already dealing with the contents of it that Mm. have infected the world, and that's why we have bad stuff in the world. He makes a point of, like, it's a bit of a Samuel Jackson and Kingsman plan about eradicating the world population, but not necessarily for, you know, uh, environmental reasons, or any reason really i just think he just doesn't like poor people and he just wants him and his one percent mates to run the world but obviously that wouldn't make much sense yeah who'd clean the telephones i've made a note that angelina jolie's performance is better in this one as well she just seems Mm. a lot more comfortable and and Mm. like dominant i guess to a point yeah just definitely willing to to dominate a scene and Mm. be the character she's meant to be and this felt like the Angelina Jolie that I know of today. Mm. The first one did feel like she was a teenager, really, and there's only two years difference, mm. but yeah, I guess she actually she did a lot of growing up in that time. 
so we've got Gerard Butler in this one. Yeah. So where was Gerard Butler at this stage of his career? What was he doing? Let's have a look. That's what I was. I don't think he was much of a known entity, was he? Let's have a look. Uh, well, three hundred was what made him a known entity, wasn't it? Is it before? Yeah, that, that was then? much later on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, three hundred is two thousand and six. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Phantom of the Opera. I, th- I do. I think this is kind of his foot in the door to Hollywood. Mm. It looks like that way. Looking at his, I think the dynamic between him and Lara Croft is a lot more interesting than anything in the first film. I think they've actually attempted to give him a bit of personality. Jared Butler seems all right for this. He's a nice bit of rough. Nice, scary. <laughs> scary. Do you do you find him intimidating, Saul? Yeah, with that big Scottish accent. Mm. <laughs> okay. My note here is that this film is the sort of nonsense James Bond tries to be, but it's largely done better and the lead character isn't a prick. <laughs> you think that this is better than a lot of Bond films that you've seen? Oh, absolutely. This is better than a lot of Bond films I've seen, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Not all of them. <laughs> ah, well, there we go. Uh, <laughs> hmm. So, there's a bit later on when there's all these mystical uh, creatures coming and uh, eating soldiers and stuff and uh, a guy pisses himself and there's yeah. just a very quick shot of him wetting himself that felt out of place that was weird and icky i mean the, the monsters feel out of place too to be honest <laughs> but again it's that sort of thing of where we're going to throw some supernatural stuff in at the very end and i think they're quite cool are they killing people cuz they move yes yes i remember this happening <laughs> um, these big monsters that run out, come out of the earth, or something. Oh, I'm, I'm, They're like from shadows, or something, or the tree, like wood, because they're guarding yes. the cradle of life itself. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like the last mm. level in a video game when yeah they'll throw in the supernatural monster for you to fight, and, and it's like the it's like the scene in Aliens where all the Marines go in, and then they most are getting picked off. I thought they were going to do something cool because they have some interesting camera angles in when um, the characters are in the Cradle of Life at the end. There's a couple of interesting shots where it looks like perspectives are being sort of warped and I thought they were going to do something quite cool and that like gravity was distorted in this cave or something and we we're going to get some really interesting fight sequence, but we didn't in the end. It's bright for nighttime as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a cave with no light. Yes, it's... Uh... I I much prefer the second one personally. I I think it's far more of a competent film. Mm. It's not like great or anything. It's not even good, but <laughs> I could sit through it without wanting to like kill myself. That's a strange sort of uh, yeah effect that I came out of it with. Like, well, I, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like mm. it. Like, it, it's so like on the line of I don't, I don't yeah. even say it's good. It's just it it it's passable. As entertainment. It's slap bang in the middle. It's like the least... It's just like the most average film ever made. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm honestly... I def, it was definitely on when I was in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when she kills Gerard Butler at the end? That was sad. Well, you know. Um, in context. Because she's like, okay, great, we saved the day. And he's like, right, shall we take this scary thing then that we're trying to stop? <laughs> she's like, no. He's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're taking it. And she has to kill him. Yes, yes. For some reason, people are quite desperate to open that box. Yeah. Mm. Even though they all know bad things will come out of it. Yeah, and they're like going to be ground zero for it as well. Like, it's, <laughs> There's no way they're getting out alive if they open it up. Hmm. So, does anything else happen in the world of Tomb Raider between now, then and now? 
Well, there was well, a the lot games, of games were rebooted. Yeah. yeah, the games carried on for a bit. It kind of died off. Then they sort of relaunched, rebooted the whole series with um, a very narrative-driven game, I think, to open. And it was written by the daughter of Terry Pratchett, but I don't know what her name is. Um, (laughs) Ms. Pratchett. (laughs) Did you guys know anything about this? Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm very much aware of the the games were rebooted. And as far as I'm aware, that's the game that the most recent film is taking its uh, inspiration from. Certainly by the looks on the poster, it's like... Similar costume and all that kind of stuff, and they've cast yeah. Alicia Vikander, I believe her name is. It was yeah, Vikander. it was meant to be very good as well. I should add that game and its subsequent sequel as well. I think were meant to be really good. Mm, mm. Um, have you seen the trailer for the new film? Uh, no, actually, no. It really does look like a film of a game, huh? And not not in particularly a good way because <laughs> I thought this might be. You know, it's enough of a franchise. We've moved on enough now that you can just kind of do a serious film version of this property, do a decent job of it. I don't think that's what this is going to be. <laughs> it it looks like um, you know, like Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. If they'd made that without the humor, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it reminded me of. It just looks very just. Eh. Well, I um, I did actually work on this film for a couple of days. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I saw them shooting a, a little scene in, in the streets of London. Hmm. Um, and I must say, we I was watching this girl, like, uh, she was obviously the main person. What really struck me, though, was how small she was. She's fairly short, I mean, not unusually short, but she's just small. She's a, she's a skinny little rake, which for... Well, it never, never stopped Tom Cruise from being a, an action movie Guy, Tom Cruise is quite buff. He's five foot eight or whatever. Yeah, but he's, he's short. Yeah. He's a tiny little man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my, my point is for for this character, I don't think her height is particularly an issue. She's just really skinny, and it's just I don't know. It's just she, she needs to have a bit more force behind her. Surely it didn't. It didn't look right for what I was thinking of Lara Croft, which I guess is Angelina I mean, Jolie. Well, Lara Croft's not big and strong. I think she's. But more it is the action film. You've got to be action. Yeah, she doesn't look athletic. She looks like a model. Well, I think that's what Lara Croft is. Um, yeah. Uh, mm. And plus, this is supposed to be like a sort of origin story, as far as I'm aware. Like, this is the first mission. They've got Dominic West as Lord Richard Croft. I presume he's the dad. Oh. Oh, God. Dominic West is playing fathers already. <laughs> well, if it's... Maybe it's like... If he's dead in this one as well, maybe it's from when she's younger. Like a flashback. Ah, yes. Yes. That would um, make sense. But he is nearly 50, so, you know. Mm. He's also a shit actor, so it's not a good sign. <laughs> um, but I do actually have some uh, hopes for this. I think it it could be a, a fairly decent video game adaptation. Um, I'm not convinced after mm. the trailer, but I mean, every few years there's a, a film like this, and it always seems, oh, this is finally going to be the one where they kind of make a decent film out of a game for like the mm. first time and then every few years we're all disappointed because <laughs> it isn't i believe that yeah um whatchamacallit with michael fassbender assassin's creed was sort of being bigged up as like oh all these amazing people involved and yeah, ridley scott yeah. and all this and then yeah apparently mm. it was no good i've not seen it shall we um shall we rate the films we haven't done ratings yet if you want sure yeah right uh for the first one i would give it a three and the second one gets a five. I gave the first one a five. Hmm. And the second one a four. Oh. Uh, I I do four 
for the first one, and then five for the second one. Mm. Okay, then. Yeah, we're all more or less around the same ballpark, <laughs> then, I guess. High-caliber films. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, the games are regarded as all-time classics. They're yeah. regarded as some of the best games ever made, so... And I think Lara Croft is you a know. character's up there with, like, Sonic, Mario... She's, yeah, she's 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 up there, but B-list, I'd say. B-B-B-list? Compared to Sonic and Mario and Pikachu, yeah. <laughs> no, she's more great. of a... Uh, she's more on par with, like, maybe Donkey Kong. <laughs> Crash Bandicoot. She's probably above Crash Bandicoot, but yeah. Mm. Spyro, the dragon. Link! Mm. <laughs> Link, even, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> no, I know games. <laughs> I don't know what game he's in, but... <laughs> <laughs> Some of the most unremarkable films we've ever done on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping Calvin was going to come in guns blazing, either like absolutely loving them or hating them, because it could have gone either way. Yeah, to be honest, I thought I'd probably quite like the first one when I was going into it. Like, well, normally I rent films when we're looking at them, but I thought, you know what, I bet I'm going to like Tomb Raider. So I bought the Blu-rays cheap and I didn't like them, so I'm going to sell them. Well, I suppose this is about as good a place as any for the uh, the music quiz. Okay, what sort of music quiz? Well, Tomb Raider is obviously a video game series, primarily. These are films based on video games. Yeah. Uh, so what I've done here is I have gone and looked up the reverse, I suppose, really. Um, a whole load of games based on films. Hmm. And I'm going to play music from games based on films, and then hmm. you have to guess what the film was that the game was based on, if that makes sense. So basically oh, it's a whole okay. load of movie themes, but like rendered in a on a SNES. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> fabulous. Alright, yeah. Brilliant. How should we do this? Should we just shout out the right answer when we've got it, or should we buzz? I don't think turns are a good idea because I think I'm going to. Yeah, be you're going to want to buzz. <laughs> just I think you'll be alright, Alan. I, I think you'll be as good as Calvin because the, the right. video game element shouldn't uh, be too much of a, a distraction, really. Okay. Right. Alan, what does your buzzer sound like? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alright. Mine's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we will jump right in. Oh, good. I got it. Ghostbusters. Yes. That that was very good. Yes. Wow. Well done, Alan. Well deserved. One one point to Alan for getting that almost immediately. I'll play the rest of that just so we can get to the next clip. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Wow! Hmm. Oh, now I can get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, now this next one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, 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 oh. Back to the Future. Yes. 
I was, I was, it was, I was, I was at the point where I was like, oh, I know what this is. I was just, <laughs> it was on the tip of my tongue, so to speak. So the rest of that. That's a theme that hardly anyone, re- you know, recognises or remembers, but it's so synonymous with Back to the Future. It's come up quite a lot, actually, in this past couple of months. I've had to identify it for people. I probably wouldn't have got that if uh, we hadn't watched the film. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this next one, Calvin, you might get it. Alan, you probably won't, actually, but let's see how it goes. Pokemon. <laughs> Oh no, I know this! Oh, I've got it, I've got it! Yep. Lion King. <laughs> yes, well done. Is it? It is, it's, it's obviously not like the main theme, but it's uh, it's a bit of rather iconic score from the Lion King, yeah. Alright, next one. Oh, fair enough for one. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think that was, I think that was pretty much the same time there. I'll, get, I'll let Alan answer it. Uh, Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah, it's GoldenEye 64, that game. Yes! Obviously James Bond, yeah. I knew it was GoldenEye as well, because that's the the good game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, this next one's uh, going to be a bit tricky, but I'll, I'll play the rest of that GoldenEye clip first. Okay. <laughs> It's it's quite an obscure one, this really, in the grand scheme of movie themes, but it's it's one of my favourite movie themes. I think it's great. Uh, it's Godzilla, actually, the original mm. 1954 hmm. Godzilla. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I wouldn't have got that. No. Yeah. Next one. Oh, Aladdin. It is. It is Aladdin. Oh. That is a rendition of Prince, Prince Ali. Ali. Da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. Are you gonna love this guy? Prince Ali, Prince Ali, Prince Ali, 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 Da, 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 da. 
Did you ever play that Aladdin game? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That and the Lion King for the yeah. Sega Mega Drive were like they were they were like staples. Really good games, like video games based on films used to have a lot of effort put into them. It seems. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And they they were really tough as well. Mm, mm. Uh, right. This next one is a bit tough. Alan, you should be okay. able to get this. I'm not sure about you, Calvin, but we'll see. Mm. Mm. Sex in the Sea. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me so happy. That I... bit that goes ding 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 that rings a bell, but I can't. I, I, again, it's a very underrated <laughs> film score. This, I mean, it's it's a fairly iconic theme, but it's obviously not a Star Wars or a, a Jaws or anything. That's the theme from RoboCop, as rendered um... in a RoboCop video game. Hmm. Oh, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Right, next one. Yes, <laughs> That's Jungle Book. That is, that is the Jungle That's Book. the Jungle VIP. Oh, it, it literally just came to me as you meow. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's what's been bothering me. Right, we're ready for this next one? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, Alan. It's Gay Bar by Electric Six. It is. It's Gay Bar by Electric Six, which obviously isn't a film score, but oh shucks, you know me. That is Labyrinth. From, uh, I got a little bit of a David Bowie song. And I couldn't. I had to like, play it out to figure out what it was. Of course, it's a Labyrinth. That is from the the weird PC Labyrinth game. Yes. Slime and snails. Puppy dog's tail. Alan is winning by one point, but Calvin, you might get it back now. So let's see how this goes. 
That's Alan. Damn you. Um, Indiana Jones. That is Indiana Jones. Yes. I was doubting myself then. I thought it's it really obvious and then it's going to be like something else. Oh. Right. Let's hear the rest of that. Okay, Alan, you are winning by two <laughs> points, but once again, this is skewed towards you, Calvin, so let's see okay, how you do. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> Calvin? Oh, wait, one sec. No, wait, one sec. I know, I know it now. I know it immediately. Uh, Halloween. Yes, oh, yes, it it's Halloween. Right, yeah. I, it's, I got Jesus. that. It's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Lose points. It's supposed to be a terrible video game, apparently. Yeah, it yeah, just, like, uh, has Halloween slapped on the front of the box, but it doesn't really actually have much to do with it. Well, much like most of the films in that franchise. <laughs> Calvin, you're behind by one point. This one is uh, skewered towards you again, but Alan, it is very, very easy, this. So, okay. Bring it. Let's hear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Calvin, I think. Power Rangers. Yes. I, I particularly like this one because uh, the sort of sound clip of the vocals cuts off too soon, so there's no S <laughs> on the end, uh, as you'll hear. Wow. <laughs> wow. <sighs> Okay, few. You've got, you got two more My now. Level. You're you're neck and neck, so I mean we'll see how this goes. Okay. Um... Mm. Oh, ruff, ruff, ruff. Oh, Alan, I think that was oh, you. Damn it. <laughs> the good, the bad and the ugly. That is that is the good, the bad and the ugly. There was never a, a good, the bad and the ugly video game as far as I know. This is just something someone threw together online, but I, I really like it. So I it's a trick question. question. It doesn't count as a point. It is a trick question. There's been a few. This is horrible. Oh, it's haunted. It's a haunted, beautiful, haunted melody. <laughs> You think that's horrible? I've saved the best till last. This is... Oh god. I'm playing this because this is so fucking hilariously awful. It sounds like the 90s internet dial-up modem, like, as music. So, uh, okay. yeah, let's... let's. Uh... Okay. Ruff, 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 ruff. Oh. Hang on, I'm just hesitating. Oh, I recognise it and I can't put a name on it. I know it, I know it. Hang on, you gave him Halloween. Give me like 25 seconds. Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills Cop. Just in time, yeah, no, that. Beverly Hills Cop. That saved me from embarrassment. I was going to say Crazy Frog. Oh, God. Uh, no, let's just bask in the awfulness that is the, the rest of this uh, clip, because it is truly horrible, and it is the funniest thing. Is that like an ice cream van version of it? <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> 
love it. It's it, horrible. It is. It's, it's terrible, so right? shit. <laughs> it's it is unbelievable how bad that is. Like, I, oh. anyway, Alan, you won by two points. Woo! Hooray! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about um, Tomb Raider. It, it does sound a bit aggressive, doesn't it? Raiding tombs. Well, it's pretty much what Indiana Jones does. It's, uh, I know, but they at least yeah. don't call him a Tomb Raider. Well, mm. it makes sense for a video game more, I think, because it's just like, run in, shoot the animals there, <laughs> steal the item at the end of the level, mm-hmm. get out. There is astonishing am- an astonishing amount of animal cruelty in some... like Especially in the Tomb Raider 2. I remember the first level is these... Uh, Bengal tigers or whatever they are, like <laughs> running out at you, and you've just got to like put them down pretty much, and they just keep coming. Yeah, just shoot them. And they take some bullets, tigers. them tigers. Spend ages trying to get rid of them. Yeah, in real life, if you shoot a bear, how many times do you have to shoot it before it goes down? Depends where, how, I suppose. How big your gun is. <laughs> so when it comes to a Lara Croft <laughs> film, I think it all basically comes down to what is the MacGuffin that she's going to be going mm. after. So mm. can either of you think of any? interesting MacGuffins. I bet there's something in, like, because it oh, mind always goes to, like, Christianity and, you know, Old Testament. There's a town there where my mum lives, and every year they do, like, a thing called the crowning of the thorn or something, because <laughs> they... Basically, the crown of thorns that was put on Jesus, they reckon <laughs> someone took that back to their little English village <laughs> and planted a, a little tree with it, so they do a celebration every year, and I think it's very dubious, so I'm not convinced. <laughs> <laughs> That it's legit, but maybe Lara Croft could go and investigate. How about the um, half-eaten apple that Eve ate from the tree of the Eden <laughs> Garden <laughs> thing? The tree of knowledge. Yeah. And at the end, Lara Croft has to battle a giant talking snake. <laughs> <laughs> That's our big boss. I'm not sure quite what you'd get out of finding the apple that Eve bit <laughs> yeah. into in the Garden of Eden. Knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Knowledge. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I, you need you need to have a kind of up and coming British sort of rough thirty year old man uh, as mm. a sort of pseudo love interest. Who who's mm. on that who's on that list right now? If we're going to do it now, who's the Daniel Craig Gerard Butler? Uh, James Norton. <sighs> who's James Norton from Happy Valley? I I think he'd make a fabulous bomb. What's Happy Valley. I'm going to look him up because I don't know. It's about. a very good TV show, actually, and you'd probably like it. It's basically Fargo, but in the north, so it's all like in Halifax and stuff. And oh, really? Yeah, we'd have to bring back um, Noah Taylor and Chris Barry, surely. I'm a big fan of that. I think well, we for should... a cameo. But we need to. We need to create something where Chris Barry gets to do all his voices. So he probably mm. has to go under <laughs> undercover. He has to go oh, undercover like as like um, 1980s politicians. That's what he can do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was he ever on Spitting Image? Because yeah, yeah, like that's he where he came been. up. Yeah, that's a, was he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Noah Taylor can just be the gadget guy. I'm fine with James Norton being like the Croft boy of the uh, of the film, but I would quite like her to go full on Bond and just sleep around a bit. To be honest, yeah, uh, yeah, that'd be. Uh, that's, I think we're. Uh, let's just do a female Bond. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's. I think Bond crossed yeah. with Indiana Jones, basically what Lara Croft is. Yeah. Uh, so who would you who would you cast as Lara Croft? Oh, I'd get Angelina Jolie back to do another one. I think, right. uh, especially now that she's a little bit older as well. I think Saul, you've made a point in other episodes of like liking older versions of characters coming back, like 
10, 20 years on, I think you could so do you'd, that. So you'd be in the same continuity then as the other two films for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you got Chris Barry back. And it could be like old mm. Batman where his, her knees have gone and she can't really do yeah. stuff anymore. I don't know, I feel like a character has to be a big enough deal for you to want to start exploring them as an old person and mm. obviously Lara Croft's a big deal but there's only two films so far I feel like you need to get a few films in before that's really I don't know yeah yeah I'd recast but I can't think of anyone I think she should be she has to get an egg it's like a magic egg dinosaur yeah, like, like a big egg like of a, a phoenix egg right it's a golden goose egg yeah phoenix. yeah something like that and but then like she has to run around with it but obviously she has to protect it and so, mm. like the baby, they have to put it in like, like a, a Jackie Chan film. In a, right. in a, yes, <laughs> and then he walks off a building and like um, onto some scaffolding and then falls down. So that would be good because then you've got a different threat. Then that the thing might get damaged and they have to protect it. And they could have some good comedy bits with that. And if we cast Angelina Jolie and uh, as she is now, and she's sort of like coming up to the menopause and all that kind of thing, and she's not had children, we can draw some parallels <laughs> she's here. Forty-two. <laughs> Some women can go through it early, you know. Can the can the egg be like little feet hatching, <laughs> but the but but the shell's still on, so the egg's like running around like in a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, like so in the. And she has to chase it. But have you guys seen Dark Star? No, oh, the John Carpenter film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the alien creature in that is basically a beach ball with like these little feet on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it just it runs around and causes mischief. <laughs> and I think that's it. What about? Oh, I've got it right. What about near the end? Right, the the egg hatches, and it's Howard the Duck. <laughs> oh yes, and then we tie Brilliant. it in to Guardians of the Galaxy. Brilliant, brilliant. I'm I'm the studio executive. And you're, you know, I'm buying this idea. That's, that's brilliant. Who are we casting as Lara? Then I think it's time for a black Lara Croft. Actually, the Peter Nyong'o. Uh no, she's weird looking. What? She's the minion, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not what she actually looks like though. That's uh, <laughs> f- that's just her voice. <laughs> she's fucking beautiful. I tell you what, Lupita Nyong'o might be a good shout there actually. She's a bit short, but we can mm. manage that. But no, if we're rebooting, we need new Who's the new Chris Barry? Uh James Corden. Oh, damn it. He was what came to my <laughs> mind as well and I didn't want to say it. <laughs> What about you have him and the other one that they did the sketch show together? When oh, God, Gavin's, Matthew Horn. Yeah, he's the tech guy. <laughs> yeah, you're he right. Got... Matthew Horn's the new Chris Barry because his career never <laughs> took off in the same way. As, yeah. But then James Corden can be no, the butler and then Matthew Horn's the tech guy. God. Dreadful. So who's the bad guy then in this new new Im- imagining? Hmm. I, I think they're younger. <laughs> I... <laughs> I think, you know, she's often going up against these, um, you know, ah, like, you know, Kieran Hines, Ian Glenn, they're all like 40, 50 something. Okay, who else has played a bad guy in Resident Evil? I think that's the level we need to be in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mila Jovovich, just get her in as the villain. Oh, that'd be good, actually. Ooh. She should transition into being a bad guy. She'd a be change, a good cause... bad guy. Yeah, yeah, I think she'd do really well. And especially if you do it about this whole Garden of Eden thing, you make it about Eve, and you can have this whole feminist thing around it. Um, mm. This is big. This yeah. is great. This is really coming. We just need guys. to. F- we need to get the egg in there as well. Oh yeah, I forgot about the egg. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, the egg, the Eden egg, the egg of Eden. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the egg yeah. could be like the your opening scene, the set. 
set up the thing. Like you, see, <laughs> oh, what, like, you, just, you just see her like coming running yeah, away adventure. from yeah, like just finishing yeah. off the previous adventure. She has to protect this egg, and then it like mm. fall. It rolls off a cliff, and she has to base jump off and catch it. And um, <laughs> yeah, I really think Miljovic would make a very good like to have like both kinds of action women pitted against mm. each other. I think that'd be quite uh, quite good. <sighs> yeah, they'd have a like a big face off near the mm. end, like where like hand to hand combat. It'd be great. We can get Paul W. S. Anderson to direct. No, he'll he'll, he'll like have them wrestling in oil at the end. <laughs> <laughs> in in spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, so yep. does Mia Jovovich eat the apple and turn into a giant snake? Oh, yep. brilliant! Yep, yep. That's it. That's the finale. So it is just like an apple that hasn't browned, hasn't gone off. Yeah, yeah. If it was made by God, I wouldn't expect it to. All apples okay. are made by God, Calvin. Oh, oh, sorry, yeah. Why does God let apples go off? It's just a fruit, isn't it? But then <laughs> artists tend to depict it as an apple. Is that right? I don't think it's specified, no. So we can depict some sort of crazy fruit. People like avocados these days. We want to appeal to millennials. Ooh, millennials love people avocados. People love avocados these days. Mm. Yeah, very, very they different. do. I, I mention avocados in my in my Tinder profile. And, uh, <laughs> That's a good shout. God. It, it, they, they fucking love it. They do mm. love the avocados. Laughing out. Um, and, and she's going to... Lara Croft in our film is going to sleep around a lot, because why not? As a power dynamic thing. Not, ju- not just. Maybe once or twice as a power dynamic. Maybe once or twice just because, like... Bit of titillation. Yeah, she fancies it. Yeah. But James Norton is going to be the main Croft boy. Has he got a nice ass? Can we get a good shower shot of him? Oh, yes, yes. We'll definitely get that. Yeah. And there's going to be some good uh, feminist under well underscorings in a Ripley and Newt sort of way from aliens. <laughs> um, yeah, right, Mr. Executive. What do you say? Well, kids, I uh, love your pitch, and I'm going to uh, give you $100 million to make it a reality. Oh, thank you, Can you Mr. stop wanking uh... into the plant pot, please? It's good work, though. I think, uh, I think we're on a winner, yeah? Yeah, I, I agree. I'm quite pleased with that. Yeah, we should have. We should come up with something more ridiculous. Well, if, if you want to know when... Because I didn't know if we were going to be doing a group pitch or individual pitches. My individual pitch was going to be a sort of a 127 hours style film where Michael Caine is a butler who Lara Croft is trapped in a fridge. <laughs> <laughs> he has to, like, chew his oh, arm off to That would be out. brilliant. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Everyone our age has those fond memories of the butler being locked in the fridge. That, yeah, like, right. Even me, who never like played the fucking thing, knows all about that, isn't it? We need to just drop that sort of reference into our film, though. Like, get Chris Barry trapped in the fridge, or James <laughs> James Corden gets trapped in the fridge because he can't stay. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the very start of the film, like, he goes to get something, and then they like rush out, and the door closes, and he's like, "Guys, guys!" And then at the very end of the film, you just cut back to him, like preparing to like teeth chop a lump of his own flesh off to eat it because he's hungry. Or Smashing something. the door handle um, with a black pudding. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Patrick Stewart comes on and calls him fat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, can this be the film? James Corden is Lara Croft's butler, but he's not very good, and he gets sent to, like, Butler Academy or something, (laughs) or like a checkup. And Patrick Stewart's, like, the head butler. Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen... And he doesn't, he doesn't take kindly to this tearaway, <laughs> this tearaway student who uh, doesn't have his shirt tucked in <laughs> to cover up his belly. <laughs> I can see your belly. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
and then and then they get locked in the fridge and have to like come to terms with each other's way of living. The whole film over ninety minutes is set in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, they're counselling each other. Fifteen minutes at the start, setting it up, and then they're in the fridge. <laughs> this is Oscar material. This is like Castaway, yeah. when one person has to hold carry the whole film. Um, James Corden can played by a volleyball. <laughs> And Patrick Stewart doesn't realise it's not James Corden. <laughs> <laughs> He's just talking to it for an hour and a half. But then at the end you cut to um, James Corden in another room and he's been talking to an egg for the last like <laughs> hour and a half thinking it was Patrick Stewart. Thank you for listening, and if you enjoyed this show, then we have many more for you, my friend, and they are all available at our website, dimreturns.com. You can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash diminishing returns podcast, where you can chat to us directly and talk about the films that we discuss. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>